Hello, welcome to another episode of Mental Sanctuary, a place where we discuss matters of the heart freely. In today's episode, we will be looking at grief, dealing with the loss of those we love. Join me and my amazing co-host Denise Tupart, who will help me tackle one of the hardest moments of my life, the loss of my beloved father. It is that time of year where we reflect on those we love that have gone on to a place of rest. I know it can be very difficult, and we stand with you. Grab a cup of tea and join us as we take on this very important subject together. Almost everyone listening to this podcast has lost someone dear to them, or knows someone who has. The news that someone you know and love is gone forever can be devastating. You can never be fully prepared for that moment. When someone you love vanishes from your life, never to return. I have spent the last 10 years grieving the loss of my beloved father, and up until now, still find it very hard to express how I truly feel about him. I have rarely ever spoken about him, actually. Perhaps the six people, in fact, over the last 10 years, and even then I have never truly articulated the devastating impact this has had in my life. In this episode, with the help of a long-time friend and colleague, I will dive into the subject of grief, what it is, how it affects us, and how to deal with it the best way we know how. Meet Denise, a real comforting voice and soul, a truly powerful and healing voice in my life. We worked together over many years, and our bond grew even stronger long after we stopped working together. And even then, I have never truly opened up to her on how this sense of loss has plagued me. How I've marked the pain even in those happy moments where we were inebriated by overconsumption of gin and fine wine. Thank you, Denise, for being a friend and colleague and for agreeing to sit with me today to discuss this subject further. Hey, Junior, I feel privileged to uh, be here today and that you've chosen me to speak with you about grief. Thank you. As it's a very difficult subject to talk about for a lot of people, whether it's fresh or years later. So I suppose for me, Junior, the first question I want to ask is, you know, uh, for many years I've known you and I've known the impact that your dad has had on your life. Um, you know, tell me a bit more about uh, your father and what he meant to you. Well, Denise, my father was my best friend. He was the biggest motivation and still is in my life. He was the one who taught me everything I knew from the commercial, you know, business and, and, and just living life to its fullest. He was the one who would give me that belief in myself when I thought I never had any. He taught me about being first always in terms of just winning and succeeding what I do, but also to put others in, you know, needs in, your, in the back of your mind, always giving selflessly of yourself. He taught me that success really happens when you can do what you do very well, but also look after those people that are in need of help. And I've seen him give up himself to help people to become better. And so it wasn't just a very selfish view of the world. It was one that was very fulfilling and giving back. And I, I think the biggest memory of him for me is, is when he would literally look at these kids and he would help them to go to school in the mornings. He would be the one who they come to for, you know, for guidance and career and, and just you know, food for lunch and very simple things. And he would never say no. And even if he didn't have, have it to give, he would show them a way how or refer them to somewhere where they could go for help. 
And just overall, it's just a very pleasant memory of a man who I think has lived a life of fulfillment, a life of excellence, and a life that up until to this day impacts my every move. Really, really powerful force in my life. I can see that for sure. Um, for me, what I can see from that also is the fact that he was uh, almost like the cornerstone to the community um, and a real, uh, almost like a, a light to the world and, and I like that about it. So obviously, um, I know it's been quite a few years since his passing. Um, can you just take me back to the time you found out uh, and how you reacted to the news of when he passed? It was December 20, 2010. And I was watching X Factor, the finals of the X Factor. And I knew my father was quite ill and I was watching the X Factor. My sister called me and we, we, we thought he would pull through. You know, he had diabetes, he had water in his lungs, and a number of ailments. And I, I, I was hoping he would pull through and he was hoping he would pull through as well. And my sister called me at about 10 p.m. and said he had passed away. And I remember just literally being just frozen I sat there for about what felt like forever in silence mm. and I just couldn't move. And I just thought, what do you mean he's gone? I called her back and I said, what do you mean he's gone? And she said, yeah, he's gone. And I remember getting up, not being able to sleep that night and going to my, my mate and to just my, one of my very good friends. I said to her, let's just fall asleep together on the sofa. And she said, why? And I said, dad's gone. And I didn't want to speak anymore. And she understood that. And I fell asleep on her sofa. And the next morning, I cried. And then I, I felt, what about mom? Is she going to be okay? And instead of actually worrying about what that meant for me, I sort of worried about mom is now lonely and mom's now a widow and, and, and mom's in pain. And what's my family? How's my family taken this? And like he would do. He, I started looking out for the other people who I know would have been weak at the time. And I almost put my feelings to the side. And it wasn't until about five years later that I was in Hackney and I was walking down the street. And I remember literally almost walking into a truck. And I said, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die because the most important person in my life was no longer here. But I never understood why it took five years for me to... To acknowledge this, it, I was at his funeral. I watched him get him, you know, get buried. I was there the whole time, but it's like I wasn't because for me, I wanted to make sure mom was okay and everyone else around me. It, we didn't have the best funeral either. It was quite a very troublesome time. It was just plagued by nuances and all the rest of it. But I just couldn't believe he was gone. But he left me with a very powerful blessing. I remember I was on the phone to him about three days before, and. I called him and I said, are you okay? And he said, he prayed, he's quite spiritual and religious. He said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you my son. And he prayed a prayer over me. And then he said, you know, I remember he said, Father, God, you are the father of the fatherless. And my son will not have a father anymore, but look after him. And I thought he was, he's lost his mind. I thought the medication he was taking clearly was just taking toll on, a toll on him. Not realizing that was the last time I hear his voice. And I felt like I held on to that, that version of events, that, that moment when I, when I spoke to him. And that's what I've chose to believe, that he was still in a hospital bed somewhere and he's, he's blessed me and he's still here. And five years later, I went through the most depressing period of my life. No one knew, but I struggled to understand the purpose of my life. 
I struggled to accept that he was gone. I was in denial for five years. I was still checking on my mother to make sure she was okay, but I wasn't okay. And it was when I walked into that truck and said, I'm ready to die now. And I read it, I'm ready to go. And then something pulled me back to my senses and I go, he wouldn't want you to do that. But the pain for, fi from, from, for five years was almost just held in the back of my mind. And I literally broke down five years later to the point where I thought that was it for me. I, I had massive thoughts of suicide and depression, anxiety, sleepless nights, because my father being so important in my life, not here anymore, was just not a reality I was willing to accept. So, and up until today, I must say, 10 years later, I still have moments where I, yeah. So, and you know, that, that's it's very interesting because obviously that was, that was five years ago uh, and you, that must have been like the rock bottom for you. And like you said, yeah. something pulled you back, some force pulled you back and you had to rethink. Mm. You know, so tell me, you know, what was your healing process? What's it been since then that you can now talk about it now and, and talk about with almost with a smile on your face and with, you know, wonderful thoughts? My father was tired. He'd given everything he had to everybody he knew. He, he gave selflessly of himself. He... He, he helped so many people to realize their full potential. Mm -hmm. He set up his business from nothing, with not much education. He, he was very successful in his, in, you know, in, in, in his own way. But he never, just, he never rested on his laurels. He made sure that the community and people around him, as far as across the world as possible, were within his reach, were looked after. And I said, what a great legacy to leave. To, to impact so many lives and to leave on an, 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 an that note that I'm just tired. And rem I remember him, the fact that how many people's fathers pass away, you know, that's what I said to myself, and left a blessing and left a, a very prayerful goodbye, which I didn't think was a goodbye at that time. But I thought, he's in a place of peace, of rest, of comfort. And sometimes when you've given all you've got, and you've done all you can, your purpose is, is complete. And I felt that was a, a, a baton. That was a passing over of a, a new assignment for me to go carry on this legacy. Go and touch as many people's lives as I did. Go and make an impact on the people around you. Make them a better version of themselves because they came in contact with you like I did. And I go, well, I spent five years forgetting that mandate. So for the next five years, the next 20 years, I want to carry that mandate of helping those people who can't help themselves, who, who need that, that, that sort of that, that advice, maybe that support, that, that help that he would bestow to other people. And so my, group, my healing process started by acknowledging that he's done what he has to do mm. and now it's my turn. That's amazing. Yeah. And... Just based, just following on from that point, you know, you started the healing process then, um, you know, and you said before you didn't really open up to many people. Is that when you started to kind of um, verbalise your inner thoughts? Would you say that's when it started as well for you? See, in my culture, I think opening up about pain and how you feel is sometimes seen as weak. Mm. It's not, it's not a very masculine thing to do, yeah, to cry in front of other people. So I would only, you obviously, I've obviously told you about how I feel about it. But I've never been the one to truly show my emotions. So I have my moments. For example, I remember driving um, through London and I saw this 
this um, business that was similar to what he did. And I stopped my car in the middle of the street and I lit, I parked up and I just literally sobbed for about an hour. Just simple things. And I would grieve in my own way. I didn't necessarily share a lot to people, but I felt that when I was, when I shared, the more I shared is the more comfort I found because people always felt inspired by the stories I tell about him. And the fact that people were saying, wow, what a lovely thing he did made me feel proud of him. And being proud of what he did made me realize he did a truly remarkable job and he's gone to rest. So that helped me. Yeah, it's almost like it, it warms your heart. It keeps you going. It keeps yeah. the engine uh, turning over. Yeah. And that's really important. Um, and obviously we know that grief, there's no handbook to how to deal with grief. There's mm. no right or wrong. Every individual did, deals with grief in, in different ways. Mm. But what advice or what kind of key pointers would you give to somebody um, going through it, whether it's, you know, just happened mm. or it's happened for many years? Mm. What kind of advice would you give? I, th I suppose it's to acknowledge that none of us are here forever. Yeah. We haven't got a definite time on this earth. And I think that's where we become sort of in, in that false sense of, well, I can't believe she's gone or yeah. he's gone. We're ahead in the sun, don't we? Yeah, yeah, but we it's 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 if you look at the the process, it's a part of the process, the journey for every single one of us. Mm -hmm. And it's to realise that they've gone before and a path that we will also eventually take. And you know, I suppose it's one is to understand that they've done the, all they could do and their purpose in, in, in this world was fulfilled. I don't believe you you leave without fulfilling your purpose. And it could be anything. It could be that whatever the purpose you know you came to fulfill, I don't know what that is for individuals. But I think my father, for my father, it was to to touch so many people's lives, and the mantle was passed on to me to do the same thing. And the comfort comes in that knowing I'm here to build your legacy. I'm here to to make sure your name is never forgotten. So how are you doing that? How are you how are you honouring his name? So I've set up a foundation in his name, the Eric Lewis Foundation, which I'm so excited about. Mm -hmm. I spent all of lockdown working on this and it's going to be really impactful and powerful because I am going to start working in four key, country, four key countries. Um, so the UK, of course, first of all, because we have a lot and it's around helping children um, and, and young adults into education and careers um, and making sure that no single child is, lacks the fundamentals that gets them to, to succeed. We want to give these children role models and make them realize that there are lots and lots of career paths out there and my experience in recruitment will help me with yeah, that. So working with major bodies across the UK and schools to give children a, a, a whole sort of journey, career journey, helping them understand that there is a path of success for them, uh, you know, whatever they want to be. And most importantly, to make them realize that whatever they feel like they want to become is possible with hard work, with people, a team of positive people around them. And I really want to help this whole sort of child hunger that we, you know, we hear around the UK and Marcus Rashford is really working hard on helping kids, you know, that can't afford certain things in school. We want to really support businesses and charities that are supporting those, those, yeah. those initiatives. But most importantly, to give these children, especially living in the inner cities and the, and the, you know, the estates and blocks that feel like they've got to get into meddle with drugs to make a quick, buck or they've got to you know do things that are not really that deviates from the part they really want yeah. you can be that doctor or that accountant or that that pa or the receptionist or that chef you know we want to really bring them back to that career that they've dreamt of before social media told them that that was too much of a long journey 
I wanted to inspire that generation again. And in Jamaica, because that's where my father's from, we want to go back and help with great, some great work happening there with young girls and getting them, you know, those who've been abused, get them back into society. I've chosen Ghana as well. I'm going there in March and we're looking at helping lots of kids from schools in Ghana, helping them to build, whether it's a, a canteen, so they've got food or it's a sports facilities. And I'm never so excited. I feel like that is pushing me to do this. You know, we've got South Africa as the last area. One of my best friends, Marsha, lives there. And, you know, I've been there firsthand and seeing the struggle with some of these kids. Mm. We want to go out there and help these kids and, and pay for their tu tuition to show them that that barrier, that can never be a barrier to the greatness that is within, within them. So going out to these countries at first and with the power of the, the memory of my father and saying... I want to carry on his legacy in his name. Another child will eat. Another child will become that, that, that successful person. Will have that career. Will, have, will take up that sport. Will have that lunch that they, didn't, they never thought they'd have. That parent struggling, that single mother. We want to do as much as we can to drive interest in helping these communities succeed. And so in, in the memory of my father and how I've turned it around is to say, you've gone on. You've done a lot and you've gone on and I'm here and I will carry that mantle as long as I can. And so I'm launching this great initiative in the new year. I'm super excited to be partnering. My experience has helped me to do it. And I think this will help me grieve as well because everything I do now is in honor of this great man. He'd be so proud of you, Junior. Oh, he really thank would you. be. And I think, it, like you said, it's, it's therapeutic. Uh, and what's the name of the, the foundation that, uh, in his name? It's Eric Lewis Foundation. Yeah. You can visit his website. It's ericlewisfoundation.org.uk. He'd be so proud of you. Uh, and just going back, so what kind of key bits of advice would you give to somebody going through uh, the grieving process now? I mean, obviously, you've done your own journey and it's, it's kind of uh, bespoke to you. Mm. Um, what would you say to someone who's just going through this now? What do you know? First of all, be thankful that you're alive and that you're here to... To celebrate, celebrate and and remember somebody who you loved, who was fantastic. Mm -hmm. To to be thankful that we you're allowed to carry out their legacy. I would say celebrate them every single morning. Be thankful that you got a chance to be touched and inspired by such great mother, father, uncle, child that came into your life to give you the best experience, and cherish those great moments you've had with them. I get up every morning and I smile. I remember my father would be praying by my bedside, praying for me. And I didn't know why he would be praying this much, but he wanted me to be successful. And so I remember the moments with him and they wore my heart, but they also act as a propeller. They, they push me to the next level. So use that memory of that person you love so much to push you through life's biggest obstacles. You know, it's difficult, it's hard. The moment you accept a number of things, one, that we're here to carry on. We're lucky to be here to carry on that legacy. Two, we're lucky to be able to have those great people in our lives. And three, we can make a massive impact in their memory and their honor. So go out there and make start doing those things that they would love you to do. And I always say, what would make them so proud of me? What would dad be so proud of if he saw me doing it? And these are the things that keep me going every day. So knowing that they're there looking down on you, proud of you pushing you to win knowing they've taken a step that's a natural step that everybody will take they've gone before us but before we go 
we've got to make them proud. It's amazing. I think the key point that you mentioned is gratitude and yeah. being grateful yeah. uh, for the people in your lives and also the people that you've had in your lives as well. I think yeah. that was, must really help with grief. Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, you know, I just think I feel privileged to be sitting here with you today to oh. talk about it because it's not an easy subject to talk about, mm. but it's one of those taboo subjects that we, you know, we bury our head in the sands about, but it's great to be here to talk to you about it today and how you, this is your personal story and how you deal with it. Um, so, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And you know what I love about it? You're smiling, you know, and <laughs> that it's, it's beautiful because yeah. it's, like I said, it's, it's, it's a really serious subject, but to be able to smile and still carry on and get through is an amazing thing. So. Well, I'm honored to know one of the greatest people I've, I've ever known. And I am determined to make him proud. And to everybody out there listening, we've got the opportunity to do exactly the same thing for those loved ones. And now it's coming up to Christmas and it's, it can be a sense of loss intensifies around this time of year. But just let's celebrate those great people that's gone before us and, and just be grateful for the great honor we've had to know these wonderful, amazing people that's left a legacy that we can, money can never buy. And this is how I think we should start the process of healing, like celebrating those great heroes. Brilliant. Thank you, Denise. Thank you, Julia. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't cry. Thank <laughs> I didn't you. cry. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Have a merry Christmas, everyone. And like I say, if you're going through grief, we get, go reach out to that friend, friends like Denise, who will listen because I have found that listening and talking about it really makes a massive difference just by having that space and the forum to talk freely about how you feel. And it's okay to cry. Just remember, we've got a, we've got a job to do. We've got to make these great people proud. Thank you. Have a lovely Christmas.